got a story I've been waiting to tell Got a cluster of dreams Like coins in a well Hi, thanks for tuning in to Once Upon a Podcast. I'm executive producer Ronnie Weiss. This is part two of two for the episode, Press Button, Receive Bacon. In today's episode, you'll hear Oh Bold Heart or Pressing Buttons in the Waiting Room, the second part of Tammy Jackson, part-time janitor, and an original piece written by Andrew Scott Bosher and myself, Ronnie Weiss. Without further ado, here is Oh Bold Heart or Pressing Buttons in the Waiting Room, written by Joe Love. Well, what are you in here for? My husband. Ah, your husband. Mm. So, you're married. Well, what kind of heart operation is he having? Excuse me for presuming, but since this is a heart hospital, I just assumed. Are you presuming or assuming? Or in fact, have you done both? Well, I've... Both. And you're wrong, in fact. This is a heart hospital. Well, that is a fact. Okay, well, well, that's true. I wouldn't have to assume or presume that. So he's not having a heart operation. I wouldn't presume to know. Well, I would think that as he is your husband. I'm not married. But your husband? I've come to meet him. So you're waiting for him to show up? I'm not married. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten. Do you often forget so quickly? Or have you forgotten? Do you remember what I asked you just now? About remembering or, or, or forgetting? I thought as much. I'm, I'm frightfully sorry to have made so many wrong statements. So, this husband that you're waiting for, is he here at the hospital? I'm not sure. Is he a patient? I can't possibly know that. So, are you the sick one then? Not officially. So, you're officially sick? Not necessarily. But in a way... I mean, there is at least a possibility, in a romantic sort of way, so that you can meet your husband in a hospital. Well, you might say that, but then again, you might say something clever. Like, just now, I was in the men's room and I went to reach for a hand towel. The sign that was taped to the wall above the dispenser said, press button. So, I pressed the button. And? Well, do you see? (sighs) You became interested. And all without any assumptions. It's a story that leads somewhere, with imagination and intrigue and suspense. You want to know more. I might sit here on the edge of my dumpy vinyl waiting room seat, my thighs sticking to the cheap material, hoping to move out of here quickly and into a moodily lit coffee shop with this exotic coffee aroma, beginning with the basic root types, Robusta and Arabica, and then on to their sub-varieties like mocha or java. And then on to even more exotic flavors like the Indonesian kopi luwak, whose unique beans are gathered from the droppings of the common palm civet, an animal whose digestive processes give the bean a very distinctive flavor. I might drink Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee, or Hawaiian Kona coffee, or Ethiopian hurrah, or some Kenya AA while waiting for the conclusion of the bacon story. While a welter of passion from deep within my solar plexus builds relentlessly 
and we move on to a quaint bedroom in a modest hotel. Mm. Um. Or to your place, if you have one just moments away. Um. And then soon to a proposal for marriage and um. the comforts and status and jewelry that comes along with the title Mrs. Well... But no. Uh, um. You just ask these mundane, pointless questions about my being here as if my being here isn't reason enough for you to sweep me off my feet. Yes. Yes, I, I see. I, I might very well have... In, in my case, I... Of course... Well... Excuse me. Mm. Are you Mr Jones? Yes. I'm Mr Singleton. Dr Moody asked me to tell you to go to the store for him. Mm-hmm. It seems he's run out of coffee and your wife's been asking for some. Is it her heart? No, no, it's a coffee. She's out. Mm. There's a gourmet shop right round the corner, he said. He said your wife prefers an Italian roast Arabica. If you bring it to the nurse's station, they can handle it from there. I see. I think he wanted you to hurry. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Hello, young lady. Those are some terrific legs you have. Thank you. Your poor thighs. They must be practically and painfully glued to this cheap vinyl they call furniture. Uncomfortable, no? Yes, very. Do you like coffee? I adore coffee. It's funny you should say that. Because earlier I was in the men's room, the one on this floor, and I went to dry my hands, and above the dispenser was this sign, this sign that said, Press Button. And below was this other sign that said, Receive Coffee. So I pressed the button, and are you quite enjoying this story? I adore this story. Then I suggest we leave this dreadful place and find us a cosy coffee shop in which to finish it. Or were you waiting for something else? Oh, no. I've simply been waiting for you. Are you a doctor? Oh, no. I'm not very fond of doctors. I find them too busy. They are rather busy, aren't they? (laughs) Certainly are. Why take Mrs Jones's doctor? He was too busy to get a coffee, so he sent a husband out. (laughs) It rather looked like he needed to get out. Dreadfully so, I'm afraid. On the other hand, doctors do bring home the bacon. But who wants bacon? Then you can have coffee. You must be reading my mind. And vice versa. (laughs) Well then, will you also accept my hand in the wedded bliss of matrimony? Oh yes, please. Well then, the wait is over. (laughs) That was Old Bold Heart, or Pressing Buttons in the Waiting Room, starring Emily Redenbach as the woman, Gabriel Wolfe as Mr. Jones, and Mike Preston as Mr. Singleton. And now... Sometimes there are messes in your life that you just can't or are not willing to clean yourself. You rely on the aid of others to do the dirty work. So when Ronald Barker, lawyer and fan of alliteration, discovered his brother had gone missing, he sought the aid of someone he knew he could rely on. Someone with the skills necessary to clean up the big messes in life. Someone like Tammy Jackson, part-time janitor. When last we heard from Tammy... She had returned home from work to find Ronald already inside. Then returned home where he discovered that his father was also missing. Tammy and Ron met up once again outside the offices of Barker and Sons, which they entered hastily after a drive-by shooting apparently intended for them. What they found inside made them perhaps feel they were safer back on the street. And now, we present part two in the Tammy Jackson series, Cleaning Conundrums. Downtown Seattle, 3.45 a.m. The body of Jim Barker of Barker & Sons was found by his son, Ronald. Jim had been struck multiple times in the head by a blunt object, 
Blood was surprisingly absent from the surrounding area, suggesting the body had been moved post-mortem. Ron was in a severe state of shock. Woozy. I am shocked. No, stunned. Surprised, really. He was in a confused state of mind. I was not in a great mood myself. After a six-hour shift cleaning up other people's messes, here I was being asked to clean up another mess. Ron, call the police. They won't help us. Ron, they're the police. They have to help you. It's their job. The cops have had it out for my dad. He, he gave one of their own a raw deal. Jim Barker was a man of few principles, but setting himself up for trouble with the police? I would have said he was smarter than that. Ron, why did your dad swindle a police officer? Dad didn't know at the time. He never asked where the man worked? Here at Barker & Sons, where you work is your business. Where your money goes is ours. Right. We should search the building, see if the murderer left any obvious clues. Right. Uh, clues should look like what, exactly? You'll know better than I will. And I meant it. I'm a janitor, for goodness sakes, not some private eye. Still, Ron's dad was dead, and Ron didn't trust the cops. Why he trusted me, I have no idea. Ron, look for anything that seems out of place. Letters about something other than work. Files out of file cabinets. Okay, okay. Oh, rats in the supply closet. Well, yes, that was rather out of place. Ron, be careful. The murderer could still be here or might come back unexpectedly. Either way, we'll be in serious trouble. Oh, just wield your gun. We'll be fine. This was not the best time to bring up the fact that I didn't own a gun, but luckily, I didn't get a chance to. A door opened on the far side of the hallway and a man stepped out. He was dragging something out of the room, which was leaving a trail of liquid in its wake. Ron ducked behind the supply closet door, and I dove for the reception desk. I hit my hand. I peeked around the desk and down the hall, where I could see the gentleman was wearing a jumpsuit. The mysterious object he was dragging behind? Merely a mop. It was then that I suspected the man in the jumpsuit was, in fact, the night janitor. Hello? Who's there? Harold? Is that you? Mr. Barker? Why are you at work so late? Did you get stuck in a supply closet? I took a few more seconds to appraise the man standing before Ron's hiding place. Strong build, six foot two inches, and young. And cute. Can't forget cute. Excuse me, sir, but you are in the middle of a crime scene. What just happened? Is everyone okay? Yes, we're fine. Get out of the closet, Ron. Who are you? A friend of the family. And you? I'm the night janitor. Yes, I figured as much. How long have you been here this evening? Do I, do I have to answer her? Mm, I'd appreciate it if you would. Yes. Well, uh, I got here uh, four hours ago. Have you heard anything suspicious tonight? Just some gunshots. That's pretty typical in this neighborhood, though. Why? There was some knowledge hiding behind his answers and awareness that suggested he was not being fully truthful. Where have you been for the last four hours? I told you. Here. Yes, but in which part of the building? All over. Uh, for the past hour or so, I've been fixing the hand dryer in the men's bathroom. I just finished. What was the problem? Was it not dispensing enough bacon? What? I don't follow. Neither of you have access to the internet? <sighs> Never mind. You didn't hear or see anyone enter or exit the building during that time? Nope. 
You didn't see the dead body in the lobby? Nope. You realize that the logical response to that question would have been, what body, right? It doesn't surprise me that someone might ditch a body here. This is the last place the cops would look for a carcass. This man was as callous as he was cute. If you could see his face, you'd understand how callous he was. That carcass is your former boss. Whoa, Michael is dead? Mm, other boss. Uh, Jim? Well, clearly it's not me. Nothing about this conversation seemed right. The night janitor had a hand in this somehow, but I couldn't prove anything. Not without evidence. And since the janitor had been here for four hours, he could easily have cleaned it all up. Nothing useful could be done at the office. So we left the janitor and made our way to the Barker household. That was Tammy Jackson, part-time janitor, an ongoing serial. Starring Sari Johnson as Tammy, A.J. Teshin as Ron, and featuring Ian Hayes as Harold. And now, an original song written by Andrew Scott Bosher and me, Ronnie Weiss. Performed by Andrew Scott Bosher. Someone else is better all alone, all alone. Don't know who she is, but my box are lying on the floor, on the floor. Before I sit up, I smell the That's all we have for you today. This episode was produced by Ronnie Weiss and A.J. Teshin. Also on the production team are Tammy Gordon, Sharon Burian, Don Pham, and Kayla Millis. Special thanks to Mistina Wilmasser and Amanda Purnell. For more information about Once Upon a Podcast, go to onceuponapodcast.com.
or email us at onceuponapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you tune in again. Bye.